0: Todd's really turn. I think it's only getting better for the, you know, the skilled trades community in America. And um, I think we've got to try and change this perception of branding that you've got to go to college to be successful.
1: Hello innovators, I'm Todd Wyant and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software. You're invited to join our MEP and construction innovation adventure with a mission to propel this great industry forward. My guest today is David Broomhead. He's the CEO and founder of trade hounds. He comes from a family of trade workers, which has helped him shine a light on a gap between the technology enabled tools, powering today's services jobs that just aren't available for the skilled trades intent on proving the need for something new, he set to work. Welcome to the show, David.
0: Thanks for having me Todd. It's great to be here.
1: Yeah. So you had the family connection to the trades, but. What about that made you want to make a career out of it on your own?
0: You know, I get asked that a lot. And for me, it was just like, you know, a lot of my uncles were in the trades. My mother was actually the GC. And she got her brothers to work for her. It's kind of cool. Nice, um, But, um, mate, like they just busted their ass every day and no one really gave them, you know, gratification. Not, it's not that they needed that. But I was like, hey, what if someone built a digital home and help improve their lives through giving better educational content, better safety content, getting in brand deals, getting in more jobs, kind of like a LinkedIn out there. And no one had built that. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know, what the hell? So that was kind of the the one big thing that I saw. And I've always liked the challenge. And I said, you know, this is a great challenge to bring on. And it's going to improve the lives of the hardworking people, like building the world around us. So I was like, it's a really good, you know, thing to try and solve and, and improving the lives. So it's great.
1: Yeah. Nice. What do you think is one of the misconceptions around the industry?
0: You know, I think it's, I'm I'm from Australia and it's a bit different in Australia. I think um, the, the way our education system set up is a bit differently and the way people interact is a bit differently. I think in Australia, a lot of um, white-collar and blue-collar families are like intertwined versus uh-huh. in America, it's very segregated. And I think if you like, there's a Perception here, like if you go to the Vogue, that means you couldn't get into college. That mm. means like, oh, you're not smart enough and, and like BS like that. And the reality is, like, I think that's changing now because everyone's like coming out of college all this debt and getting jobs that they hate, but then they're on this, they're on this wheel where they have to work to pay off this debt. And guys are coming out of the Vogue making good money and they don't have any debt. So it's like, I think that the, the, the tides really turn. I think it's only getting better for the, you know, the skilled trades community in America. And um, I think. We've got to try and change his perception of branding that you got to go to college to be successful. We've heard Mike Rowe and a bunch of people always talk about it, but you know, we got to keep on beating that drum being like, going to the Vogue and getting the trades is a great opportunity and you can make a ton of money. You're working outside with your buddies. Like it's very different to an office environment. So like, don't look down at it, man. Like see it as an opportunity.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I talk a lot uh, on, I think there's a marketing problem here and construction that, We historically have done a bad job of really communicating what the industry actually is now. And we we let other people that don't know anything about construction kind of define what's happening in a construction. And they're just relying on super old (laughs) outdated stereotypes from decades ago and not comparing that to the reality of what a job site actually is in today's world.
0: Yeah, there's that. I think it starts with the teachers, it starts with the parents, um, and it starts from an early age. You know, you're not going to solve the skills gap tomorrow, but um, I, I would love to get more summer programs and construction spun up. Um, you know, people out there making like you know good dollars on the on the holidays, and you're outside in the sun having a good time. You know, it's it, it's a it's a big opportunity. I think to to rebrand and um, change that perception.
1: Yeah. So how do we ramp up and then attract the next generation into the skilled trades and really kind of get them excited to come into the trades and not view it as that kind of backup option or you know you couldn't get into college so I guess you just go into construction.
0: Yeah, it's it's a challenging one man and I think like there's a lot of brands out there tool companies, apparel companies, unions like trying to do things individually. And mm-hmm. throwing small dollars at it and, and kind of, it's not really moving the needle. Um, I'm proposing, and this is something that I'm trying to do personally, is a unified effort where everyone comes in under one umbrella and everyone puts dollars in, everyone is executing a same strategy, which I think you need to get the federal level government and state level government involved where you're changing policy, there's tax incentives to go into the vote where they're re-educating and they're repurposing a lot of those dollars to the parents and the teachers to summer programs to to show them the opportunities that lie in construction not only construction but i think like any kind of the the blue collar workforce manufacturing you know some of the stem trades out there fisheries are struggling oil and gas are struggling um there needs to be a massive playbook and it starts with the teachers and parents, and everyone needs to come under one umbrella and, and do it. you know. And you need to leverage these brands' marketing platforms and the dollars that they have. And then you, you can help and change that perception through the marketing spend there, but then also bring in influences that these kids look up to to help change the messaging and perception of the trades also.
1: So how do people that want to make the leap over into the industry, but... Don't necessarily want to do the the four year apprenticeship because they've had their career going for a while. What should they do?
0: It's a great question. Um, I think it's talk to your buddies that are in the trades and you know come along and and write, do a ride along and, and work for them for a couple of days and bang some nails or fall around a job site to figure out what's right for you. And then you know whether you want to be union non union. Um, a lot of non union shops offer training and, and courses. Um, to get you in an entry level. And if you want to train up, they'll a lot of them will pay for your training now. They use training and education as a part of a retention tool, um, which is definitely um, seeing great results. And there's there's a variety of different platforms out there, whether it's um, going through the vocational school or other kind of um, education um, platforms out there to, ha- to help get trained up.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I more than agree with that. But who... And the industry really then owns changing that narrative to attract that next generation. We all
0: do like it, 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 we all do. And I think that's the problem is everyone's trying to do it on their own. And we all got to come together and and, and unify and do it together. Um, you know, you, you got to think that individually, like, you know, the average age of a plumber in Boston is 55, the average age of electrician is 53. Um, there's going to be a massive skills drop-off over the next five to 10 years, and then taking all that knowledge with them. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we transfer that knowledge across down to the next generation? I think there's got to be some real thinking around that um, because that's going to be a big problem. Like, they think we have a problem now Wait for five to 10 years. Um, it, it's, it's got to be a unified effort, I'm telling you.
1: So how do we get all those big companies and, and different voices to really come together and, and play well with each other and unite in, in one common message? Well,
0: no one's really coming at it from the, from the angle that I've coming at it from. I think everyone's tried to like, like you said that, like a lot of the big brands hate each other and they don't want to play with each other. Right. Um, and it's not about giving away a secret sauce. I think it's about, Hey, we're trying to solve this big problem and it affects all of us. Um, let's all come together and, you know, add our, um, platforms to unify and and execute on a strategy that we've all agreed to and put real marketing dollars behind it and um, have some influence on Capitol Hill and other kind of like influence out there that these kids look up to. Um, you know, that's just, that's just going to take some time to get it all together. Um, but I think everyone's very motivated because they've talked about this problem for such a long time and no one's really moved the needle yet.
1: Yeah. So, With that kind of in mind, how does the construction industry need to to change in response? You know, you have the the great resignation that's happening that's taking people out. And then you also have a really high rate of retirements, as you just pointed out, that the average age of worker is way higher in construction than in Mm. pretty much every other industry. What
0: can the individual construction company do?
1: Yeah, Uh, how how does the... Kind of maybe the company, but the, the industry as a whole, how does it need to change and adapt to respond to kind of these growing pressures on it?
0: You know, I think there's opportunity with a great resignation to get people, more of those, you know, people that were unhappy, unhappy with the current work environment into the trades, number one. Um, you know, I think look at the retail sector a lot of people lost their jobs during the pandemic, 25% of the hotels and restaurants shut down during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Why are we trying to attract them into the trades? I think one thing that they got to to have to look at is also the education piece. Cause what, you know, 20 or 30 year old wants to go back and do like a, a four year electrical apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. Like, is there opportunity to not loosen the rules, but like, have a more flexible approach to get more, more people into the trades by changing out um, licensing and policy around that. And then, like I said earlier, it's getting and changing the branding around for the next generation. So that's the kind of two-tiered approach that I think you can do.
1: The Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Applied Software. With solutions for the modern project, Applied Software is on a mission to transform industries, by empowering clients and championing innovation with real-world expert consultants. Their comprehensive array of solutions for AEC, MEP, and manufacturing has a singular focus, helping you achieve higher performance. With software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered. Visit asti.com and let them know we sent you.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. what should the the role of the trade school be then with, you know, you mentioned maybe there's some more flexibility that we might need to look at, uh, in training, the people from other industries coming into the trades, how, how, yeah, what's, what's the role of the trade school in that process?
0: Well, mate, like trade schools are fully booked There's a wedding list. Right. That they're, they're doing all they can. Like, you know, um, that's the challenging part. You need more trade schools. You need more dollars. You need more, you need more dollars from the federal and state um, government. Um, So they're doing all they can and they're doing a great job. I think unions can get more involved. Unions have had um, a slow membership decline. I think there's got to be a bigger push potentially to get people into the union. Um, Obviously that gets political and people either side might have a different opinion, but at the end of the day, like, You've got, there's a, four, it's $4, million, a $4, million, $4 million housing shortage in America, right? That, that's a huge gap. And you have an infrastructure bill that's coming out that has 10 years of like a trillion dollars worth of spend on infrastructure. And there's a, there's a declining workforce that's gonna hit, hit a massive cliff, cliff in the next five or 10 years. So you've got all these factors leading to a worsening condition. So there needs to be a unified effort from the schools, from the unions, from training facilities to help get more people into the trades. But, you know, there has to be policy change and that need to change the narrative.
1: Mm-hmm. Should the the companies also really go out and, and take a an active role in going into high schools even and, and helping kind of show what's going on in the industry now and helping build some of that hype and then helping on the backside of it really ramp people up faster as well too and kind of be pushing that or... Um, I think,
0: well, well the, that's the challenging part, right? Because construction is a risky business. It, it, it operates on low margins. Mm-hmm. So ramping up and especially the skill force creates a safety risk. And that's going to be a big note to a lot of companies. But I understand the, the drive to do that. Um, you know, I, I think they could play a role. I think obviously what what you mentioned about going in, doing lunch and loans and things like that, I think um, is going to help. But I think like there's a good opportunity of like offering, um, you know, internships or apprentices for like summer programs, and being like, hey, mm-hmm. come and work on the tools for the weekend, we work on this really cool job site, mm-hmm. or like being engineering, being architecture, being like in different areas of the trades, um, not just on the tools. I think that's where getting in that in that environment, because that's something that I realized because I went into finance. I'm like, I'm sitting in a cubicle looking at spreadsheets all day. This sucks versus like, banging the of my uncles and drinking beer afterwards and like listening to the radio. I was like, i must refer prefer that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people until they realize that and they see the difference of the two worlds, it gives them a better perspective of what they should do with their future.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. Uh, I, I think the apprenticeship and getting them in early is uh, it's a great idea because so many schools have taken shop class out. And so they, they're not getting that exposure in high school. And so by going in and being really proactive and saying, Hey, come on, we're going to take you young. We're going to kind of show you the, the ropes and get that exposure. Uh, I think that that's a, a good way to kind of supplement the the lack of shop class exposure to working with your hands and and building something. Right.
0: right. And I think it's like that sense of achievement as well. Like with, with today's demographic being so heavily um, influenced by technology and using technology a lot.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like for me personally, like, you know, I run a tech company, I'm on my phone and computer all the time. I love getting out on the weekend and like not touching a phone on my computer. Like getting outdoors, even with if it, was riding my bike or like going around, going around to help rental a house. Like it's real stuff. Working on your car, it's real stuff. Mm-hmm. I think like that's really good to, to kind of bring back into people's lives. And it's really important because I think technology plays too much of a role in the next generation's lives.
1: Yeah. So, uh, how do you kind of bridge that gap between the, the technology aspect that's needed to push the industry forward and the, the message of, no, go out and do something with your hands and, and build it? And from the ground up, that's it's really cool sense of accomplishment for sure.
0: Yeah. I, again, like you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Right. So, I think. Making it available as an option
2: mm-hmm.
0: and and, and, giving, and giving as much data and information as you can to the student being like, it's not all about your phone and technology and, and you, know, you want to do this, but there are these other trades out there and it's, it's hands on. It some of it can be tough or you can work in the office or you can work in design and architecture. You can also, if you're a mathematician or into like different stuff, you can be into engineering and things like that, or structural stuff. Like there's different parts of the industry that you can work in. And I think giving them exposure to that can really drive more people into the industry.
1: Mm -hmm. Nice. What do you think is the the future of the skilled trades labor market?
0: (laughs) What is the future? Um, it's going to be tough. I think, um, you know, it's a, I think it's only gonna get worse before it gets better. Um, until there's a unified effort. Um, and it, there's a lot of support from the government because a lot of people are talking about it and doing like hidden singles. And it's not going to work until we all come together. So I think it's gonna get worse before it gets better. But I think in in 20, or hopefully not 20 years, but in 10 years, it's a different, it's it's a different world and we've hopefully changed that perception and the brand of the trades. And there's more people coming into it. I mean, look at Germany's more, for instance. Like tradespeople there are more respected than bankers and and finance people there. So um, I think there's a lot we can learn, and it, it really starts um, with government and everyone coming together.
2: Mm.
1: Well, do you think that that's the the biggest hurdle then in achieving a successful result is getting that yeah. cross collaboration?
0: And yeah, man, no, that's what I'm trying to do. You know, I think. I'm trying to be Switzerland and, and not, not me, trade downs, like me me individually. Um, I'm trying to put this together because you know we're talking to these brands from a business perspective for trade downs but I, I have one-on-one conversations with them because they want us to get involved with their program. And I'm like, to be completely honest, we need you and your dollars and your platform and a hundred others to come together as one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And we need to blast this and change this together. And they've all kind of agreed of that and said, You know this problem is bigger than the Walton Milwaukee. We we're happy to come together and try and fix this. It's going to take um, time, effort, and dollars, but um, you know it's definitely worth it.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I I think the you know the the old saying of uh, a rising tide lifts all boats. I think that's totally true, especially in this situation, because once everybody comes together and kind of uses their platform and their microphone. In one common unison, that's when that message is really going to jump out beyond just the, the construction bubble and really start hitting other people outside of it that we need to be talking to instead of yeah. just talking to ourselves and saying, yeah, we got a problem here. <laughs> we have right. to break out of that and reach new audiences.
0: Right. Right. Absolutely.
1: So, cast kind of your, your vision. In 10 years, if you had your way, what would it look like?
0: In 10 years, what would it look like? So right now there's you know, depending on who you ask, it's between two to four million open jobs in construction in America. That's a lot. It's only going to get worse with, with the housing shortage and the infrastructure bill. So, you know, it's an economics problem. You need more bodies, you need more people to come into the trade. I think there's a great opportunity um, with a great resignation, great resignation and the retail industry to capture that audience and get them into the trades. Um, you know, I, I, that, that's, a, that's a piece where I think we can get a, a large percentage of them. And I think that's a short-term solution, in my opinion, like one to three years. And five to 10 is the, the rebranding and re-education of parents and high school and primary school teachers around the trades. And that's just gonna take time. Because for the last 30 years, they've told their kids to go to college. That's going to take time to re-educate and then filter through down to the kids and get them more involved and have some programs, have more exposure to the trades and getting construction industries um, spun out. It's going to take us you know, probably one one year to get it all together, one year to pilot it, three years to have it in the field. So that's the lag there already. Mm -hmm. Um, So in 10 years' time, hopefully we have everyone working under one umbrella to try and solve this problem and we have – um, a completely different perception of construction and guys are proud driving around in that. There. There's probably going to be a boom in F one fifties and the um, gnarly rolling around, but um, you know, it's, it's going to be, I think a great day when you see more people coming out of the boat than in high school and going to
1: college. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, do you think that we should kind of do away with the white collar versus blue collar mindset of, and you really using those terms even, Of uh, is it time to kind of reassess our, our thinking and our branding of, of those terms?
0: Yeah. I mean, they're really from the fifties and sixties, right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, after world war two, when, when, you know, everyone kind of was, was kind of labeled, the an either office job or non-office job, um, I think yes, I think this next generation just next generation is very um, open minded to that. Um, how you brand it or what you call it, I don't have a clue. I'm, I'm sure we can pay some marketing coming to figure something out, but um I, I think so, but for right now it's just the easiest like terminology we have, right so um, hey man, maybe maybe in the future blue collar jobs are, are crushing it. And they're making two to three x office jobs, so maybe it, it's a cool. Well, thing some of them already do. are. <laughs> oh man, I'm telling you, like the like the amount of money my friends are making in the trades ridiculous, and then they're making cash and side work on the weekend. So it's 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 a badge of honor in my in my opinion, and um, they're having a lot of fun doing it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I think you know one of the cool things about construction that I I don't think people really grasp outside of the industry is there is. So much possibility of job opportunities when you're in the industry. You can you can start you know swinging a hammer and and go anywhere in the industry. You can do almost anything, any type of job position, which is really cool. And
0: and anywhere in the world, and you can start your own business if you're an entrepreneur. That there's a lot of opportunity.
1: Yeah, I agree. I I think that's a a message that we really need to hammer home harder and and get out more because the Opportunity options are so much more vast in construction than I, I think in any other industry. I, I can't think of another industry that has so much kind of movement and flexibility options that yeah. are present here in construction.
0: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: Uh, so, if you could kind of snap your fingers and innovate one thing about the construction industry, what would it be?
0: Innovate one thing about construction industry. That's a good one. I haven't, I haven't been that. Um, no deaths. Like I think to, to you know, have one hundred percent fatality in, a, in the safest sites in the world. I think you know that's something that I think we should try and strive for.
1: Can't beat that. I <laughs> mean, that's a great one. Nobody has said that yet on that response. That's a spot on. That's perfect. I love it. Uh, so what is trade hounds for the audience, and how do people find more information and connect with you?
0: TradeHound is the largest online community of construction workers in America. Um, download the app for free. It's in the, both uh, the iOS and, and it's an Android. It's an Android and iOS app. You can get in the App Store. Um, we've got a lot of cool things coming. So um, you know we're all about educating and supporting the trades, skilled trades, um, getting and giving advice about your craft, getting jobs. We have brand deals on there from the best brands um, from tool, from tool companies to power companies. So, um, it's all about improving the lives of the worker. So, um, get out there and check it out.
1: Nice. Well, final question for you, David, what does innovation mean to you?
0: Change and improvement. I think that's, that's the main kind of, you know, stick that we, we kind of drive here through technology.
1: Yeah. I, I think even those kind of small micro changes and improvements, they add up big over time. Yep, absolutely. Well, David, thanks so much for taking the time and joining the show.
0: Thanks for having me, Todd. Thanks for bridging the gap, and um, looking forward to grabbing a couple of beers this
1: weekend. <laughs> sounds good. And now it's time for my Todd takes from this episode. First take. We've talked about it before, but there is a great need in the industry for everyone to come together and share a collective message that resonates with those outside the industry. The labor shortage is a problem that affects all of us, and so all of us need to band together to solve it. Second take, I think it's time to do away with the outdated blue collar versus white collar branding divide. It creates a false perception and does not adequately show the full extent of options and possibilities in the construction industry. And finally, be proactive in reaching out to the younger generation. David and I talked about creating apprenticeship programs to provide exposure to the industry. I think it's a great idea to get people excited and knowledgeable on what is happening in this great industry. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software, at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining us on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is directed and produced by Todd Wyant, edited and produced by Eric Daniel, Bridging the Gap is an Applied Software production. Copyright Applied Software 2021.